So today we are talking about BOGO Sin Month. Buy one, get one free Sin Month 2023. Why buy one, get one free? Well, because the month has been... The, the, the statue of Nebuchadnezzar that we've all been commanded to bow down to when the, the music plays is modern sexual gender ideology, sexual perversion, a rejection of God's design for masculinity, femininity, and marriage, right? So that's the that's the, the stated goal of the month. But it is very, very telling that the month is not named LGBT month. It's named Pride Month. So that's why I'm calling it buy one, get one free month. Because it's it's a combination of two, two sins. It's not only the sin of sexual perversion, it's also the sin of pride. And they're being joined together, and really that's quite fitting for them to be joined together. Starting with Romans chapter 1, we see, starting in verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures." Therefore, God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. And it goes on to specifically talk about homosexuality as well as a number of other sins, envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. So it's not just sexual perversion, but that is a clear sign of God's judgment. God gives the rebellious over. God, well, who is the rebellious? The proud, the ones who will not humble themselves before God. So Pride Month is a very, very apt name. And when we're going to respond to Pride Month, we need to respond to both sins in question. Not just the sexual confusion, but also the sin of pride. Because that, that really is the issue. Whatever your sin is, right? If your, your sin can be a sexual sin or it can be something else. It can be anything off this list. Wickedness, greed, evil, envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, exclamation point. It's quite the, quite the inclusion. Without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. Okay, anything on that list, what do you need to do? You need to humble yourself before God. So, what does the Bible say about these two sins? Our buy one, get one free sins. Number one, about sexual perversion. If you look at 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. So, and tune in here if you can, because... The reason I want to cover this on during Pride Month is because this is culturally relevant and because we're called to be ready to give an answer for the hope that is in us. So, we, we need to know not just what I think about cultural issues, but what the Bible says about cultural issues. So remember these references. I want to remember these references so that when the conversation comes up, I can go to the text and say, thus saith the Lord. That is the job of the person who wants to speak prophetically to a culture. It can't be, thus saith the me. It has to be, thus saith the Lord. Amen. That is the point. It doesn't matter how, 
how eloquent I am, how great my reasoning is, how wonderful my conservative values are, how, how sweet and savory my, my language and my rhetoric is, if it's just coming from me, it has no authority and no power. It, has no, it is not living and active. That's the word of God, okay? That's where we, we have to go. So what does the Bible say about sin number one, sexual perversion? 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. The Bible pulls no punches. It's quite clear. If you want to find somebody who can explain that passage away for you so that you can be comfortable in your sin, you can do it. There are people out there who will twist scripture to justify their lusts. But the Bible's quite clear, and this isn't the only passage either. You can go, Romans 1 is probably the, the most, the single most uh, ready go-to passage for the issue of, of sexual perversion. But 1 Corinthians 6 is also an excellent one, and it, that's, that's steep language, will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's serious business. The other thing that's good to remember is that homosexuality is not the only sin on that list. So, yes, we do specifically speak to sexual perversion in our day because it's, partic- it's specifically being celebrated in the streets. If we were having National Murder or Pride Month, we would specifically speak to the sin of murder. So, that there is a specific perversion we see in Romans 1. There is a specific level of delusion that happens. There's a specific level of cultural warfare going on here. That's why we do focus in on the sin of homosexuality, transgenderism, etc., etc., but that doesn't mean that their sin is – there's a sin where it's worse as far as the, the, the degrade, the uh, trajectory. You've got sins up here and then sins down here, but it's all sin. It's all sin that before a holy God is worthy of hell. So just because back in the 50s the sins were different doesn't mean that those people back in the 50s, they were, they were, they were good. And if we could just get back to the 50s. No, sin is the problem. So we do sometimes have to speak specifically to some sins. But Paul tells us the covetous won't inherit the kingdom of God. Ever coveted? (laughs) So lest we get too proud, lest we get stuck on, oh, it's just them gross, weird, bad people. No, that's all of us. We all have sin in our hearts. And so we want to be humble and be proclaiming a gospel of salvation, not just condemning them because they're extra bad. Well, But by the grace of God, there go all of us. They need Jesus just like we do. And that's what the next verse tells us. Such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. That passage, remember that. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Remember that passage because it is a passage that is going to be desperately needed in the next 30 years in our culture. As there are people who have destroyed their bodies, spent years of their lives living a lie, and are suicidal and depressed and broken and there's no way God could want me. And we can come to them and say, you know what, there's no way God could want me either. But he did. He washed me. He died for me and he can do it for you too. You are not too far gone for the gospel of Christ. Your sin is not too black to be washed clean by the blood of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 6. It's gospel presentation. Yes, we speak prophetically. Yes, we rebuke the sin. We rebuke the sin and we offer life because there is life to be had in Christ Jesus. You're not 
too far gone. Okay? So there's sexual perversion. Number one, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Number two, what does the Bible say about pride? Our other buy one, get one free sin for the month. James chapter four. What does the Bible say about pride? James chapter four, verses six through 10. Get there eventually. Okay. James four, starting in verse six. But he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And before we apply this to the world out there, let's pause and apply it to ourselves. God is opposed to the proud. Does that make you shaking your boots a little bit? Amen. Should. Does me. Because I'm proud. I've got plenty of pride. I just do. And that puts me on the other side of the boxing ring from God. And that's scary. And it should scare all of us. Now, yes, we're, we're, we're bold through the blood of Christ. Amen. But God still chastens his children. So I want to humble myself under the mighty hand of God. Because God is opposed to the proud. But gives grace to the humble. You want grace? I want grace. God gives grace to the humble. Humble are people who realize that they need grace. And he gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. What a promise. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. The whole idea of Pride Month is... To not do this, to not be miserable, to not mourn, to not weep. Go out there and laugh and prance and parade. Shake your fist at God and act like you're just having a grand old time. And the Bible comes along and says, you need to be broken. You need to humble yourself. You need to bow before a holy God and he will exalt you. You want to truly be exalted? This is how. Bow before your maker, repent, come to Christ, and he will exalt you. And what do we see again? The gospel. So yes, we're rebuking the sin of pride. God is opposed to the proud. God will break the proud with a rod of iron. The kings of the earth can take their stand against the Lord and against his anointed, and he laughs. Because he's going to break them, and it's going to be terrible. His wrath is a fearful thing. But that doesn't be, that's not how it has to be. If they kiss the sun, then his wrath will turn and they will not perish in the way. That is the gospel office, offer given to the proud, to us, to the world around us. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Be broken over your sin. Come to God needy. Humble yourself. He will lift you up. Praise God. What a promise. So there's your two sins. What does the Bible say about sexual perversion? 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. What does it say about pride? James 4, 6 through 10. Both very bad. Both under the wrath of God. Both can be forgiven through the blood of Christ. Okay? So that's what the Bible says about those. Now, are we holding our part of the line? In a time where the cultural onslaught is thick, are we holding our part of the line, whatever that may be? 
1 Timothy 3.12. 1 Timothy 3.12. I don't think that reference is right. It can't be right because the next reference is 16 and 17, and there isn't 17 verses in 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy 3. Maybe I mean 2 Timothy 3. It is 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3.12. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So, we should expect that if we're being faithful to hold our part of the line, if we're being faithful to speak the truth, and we should be doing it in love, we should be doing it in humility, we should be doing it offering the gospel grace of Christ, not simply condemnation, but reconciliation through Jesus. But if we are doing that, that we should still expect all who are living godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So expect that. That comes with the territory. We're in a battle. You're going to take some fire. Verses 16 and 17. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. You cannot hold the line if you waffle on the standard. If you are not bound to scripture, you will move. You will waver. The line will break. Because if we don't have God's word to stand upon, we don't have anything to stand upon. What does Jesus say? The man who builds his house on a rock, what are those rocks? What is the rock? It's the words of Christ. We're either going to stand on the word of God or we're not ready to be on the battlefield. We have to hold our part of the line, okay? And so move right into 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 8. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by, his, and by his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. And will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Go to war, hold the line, speak the truth, do it in love, do it with patience, do it winsomely, but do it without compromise. Hold the line. Okay, that's number three. Are we holding our part of the line? Number four, do we have our priorities straight or are we distracted by the darkness? It is very easy in an insane culture with the prevalence of social media. I mean, you realize it wasn't that long ago that if there was some super weird, bizarre, perverse thing going on in North Carolina, you wouldn't know. You knew about what was happening around you and in your community, the stuff that you could actually be involved with, you could actually help. Now, if you want to spend all day just reading the latest perversions, you have literally access to the perversions around the globe. If you just want to spend all day soaking in how terrible everything is, it's all right there for you. It is, you can just listen to podcasts 24-7 that are going to report on all the terrible things that are happening. Do we have our priorities straight? Or are we distracted by the darkness? What good does it do to spend five hours soaking in how perverse and terrible everything in our world is? I, I, I can't think of what good it does. I have myself had to back away from 
a constant stream of just like uh, podcasts reporting on politics because it just makes me depressed and upset and just everything's terrible and falling, falling apart. God didn't call us to fix the world. He's doing that. He called us to work on right here, work on our spot. So we shouldn't be distracted by the darkness. We should do the Billy Graham thing and light a candle. That analogy is kind of, it's, uh, we've heard it so much that it's kind of cheesy sounding, but it's true. We should all be lighting our individual candle, holding up our individual beacon of light in a dark world and let the Lord use that as he will. So passage for that, 2 Timothy 2, 21 to 26. We're right there. 2 Timothy 2, 21 to 26. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Pursue those things. Are you pursuing those things? Am I pursuing those things? Am I running hard after righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart? But refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. Gentleness correcting, that God may lead them repent, leading to repentance. Again, we have rebuke plus gospel. We're hoping for salvation, not just to get them, own them libs. We want to see people come to Jesus. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. You don't blame captives for doing what they do. You blame their captor. Now, I'm not denying personal responsibility. There, are, there is personal responsibility, and people do need to bear consequences. But we need to remember who the real enemy is. Remember what we're really fighting here. We're fighting the devil, and we want to see these people broken out of the chains of slavery that they bear and brought into the kingdom of light. But that passage, I just wanted to bring that passage out because of the emphasis. What is the emphasis on what we pursue? It's not primarily pursuing, condemning all the stuff out there. It's pursuing righteousness and faith and love and peace. And then there is a a time for confrontation that is going to be part of our life. But that shouldn't just be the consuming passion of our life unless the Lord has called you to a specific prophetic position. We want to have our priorities straight. We want our priorities to be biblical. We want to be growing in our walk with Christ individually and with our people. Okay, last one, number five. This is the application question. This is, we've talked about gravitational pull the last two weeks. So I want to touch on it again. Gravitational pull. The question for us is, or a question for us in light of BOGO Sin Month. Do we delight in the godly opposites of the two sins that are being celebrated by our culture? You've got sexual perversion and pride. What is the godly alternative? Godly alternative is humility and masculinity, femininity, marriage. Do we delight in those things? It's not just a matter of putting off. All this stuff is bad. I want to get rid of all this stuff and condemn all this stuff and talk about how bad all this stuff is. I want to live an alternative. I want to present to the world something better because there is something much, much better in Christ Jesus. And our delight is going to preach a sermon that our picket signs cannot. And I'm not saying there should never, there's never a time for picket signs. There are. There are appropriate times for that. 
Again, we go back to keeping our priorities straight, keeping that in its proper place, but there is a time for that. But delight preaches a sermon that picket signs cannot. Do we delight in godly sexuality and humility? Not just the condemnation, but the candle. What is, a, what is the proportion in each of our lives? And, and it's, it can be different for each one of us. As we walk humbly with our God, what is he calling you to do? But ask the question, is the proportionality in my life between my podcasts and politics versus my proclamation of God's word, praising the Lord, meditating on the word, loving my wife and kids, whatever the case may be, right? We want a biblical sense of proportionality in what we're doing. We want a gravitational pull that when the world looks at us, they see an alternative. They see condemnation, speaking the truth prophetically from God's word, but also reconciliation, the offer of the gospel in Christ. Not a personal judgment, not a personal vendetta, not hatred for them, but rather an offer that if you don't come to Christ, you will be broken. But if you do, it's a standing offer. His blood is that good. Come to Jesus. And if you do come to Jesus, it's better over here. It's good stuff over here. I delight in this because it's what God made me to do. That's what God made you to do. So come to Jesus and you will find both life in this life with, with trials, like Jesus said, and also eternal life in the age to come.